Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Here we go, opening up God's Word. And we had two weeks ago, we, we had hell, and last week we had marriage and divorce. And aren't you ready for just a good passage on kids, huh? We've earned this, all right. Mark chapter 10, here we go. We're going to read verses 13 through 16, so you follow along, and then we will dive into God's Word. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it, And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And, oh God, we just celebrate the person of Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus, you're awesome. Uh, You are everything that we need. You're the bread of life. You're the fountain of living waters. And, Lord, we we just thank you that you're the the kind of Savior that likes kids. And, Lord, we, we know that we are, even who are adults, even... Even the gray-haired among us, we're, we're children of God. So, Lord, help us to embrace what your, your truth says this morning. Help us to live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. It's very natural to see why this passage comes as it does. Last week, we looked at marriage, and uh, Jesus explained to us that a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We did a wedding here yesterday, Hunter and Doris. Uh, Hunter uh, is the liaison for our, our Fifth Street and Abundant Life Baptist Church over, over at uh, the 4 o'clock service. And uh, he and Doris got married yesterday. And so it's obvious to see why, why the next passage occurs as it does. Because when a man leaves his father and mother, holds fast to his wife, and they become one flesh, normally, not always, but normally what comes about from that is kids. And so very natural place for Jesus to, to speak about children here. And what I really love about this passage is that we get a little glimpse of Jesus personality, if you could say, you know, we, we see lots about his glory, his teaching, his power, his love, his grace, but you know, not a lot about just kind of what kind of guy was Jesus. Okay. And it's very obvious from this passage that Jesus was a kid guy. Okay. Jesus was a kid guy. Uh, verse 16 says, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I think that's significant. Why would the Bible tell us that he took them in his arms? Why would it tell us that he actually put his hands on them? You know, the only reason for that, because he, he could have done the same thing. He could have showed his, his, his desire for children to come to him by just saying, okay, it's time for children's church. You know, all little kids, bring them all up here, bring them up, gather them up. You know, he could have like spoke to them, taught them, prayed them, maybe got close, put a little hand on each of them, and then backed out and got out of there, okay? That's what a non-kid person would have done, you know? You know what I'm talking about, a non-kid person? That's the, the, the person that when you hand them the baby, they do this number. Have you ever seen that? You know, they're like, oh, isn't he cute? Yeah, here, you know. Uh, I mean, those, those are non-kid people, okay? And uh, a kid person, and Jesus took him in his arms. You know, he, he, he loved the children. He touched them, okay? Uh, Addie was uh, our kid that was like friendly with everybody. I don't know if you remember that. Addie was like one when we moved here. She's 17 now. And she was just like friend of all. In fact, she's kind of like a cat. Uh, the less you wanted to be around her, the more she wanted to be around you. And uh, we had some funny stories about airports where we would, uh, we'd be waiting for our plane. And, you know, she'd be like toddling around eating a cracker or whatever. And she would like pick the one guy that did not want, you know, to be around kids. You know, in his business suit. And she'd go over there, put her crackery hand on him's knee, you know, and be like, 
what's up, man? I mean, you just like look at him, you know, and, and you can tell a lot of them were just like looking over at us like, what is this, you know? And it was always funny because whenever we'd go get her, you know, come on, Annie, come back over here. He'd always like brush off the cooties, you know, it's like, kid, touch me. I'm going to get sick, you know? Jesus wasn't that kind of guy. Man, he grabbed him. He loved him. He loved kids. And, and, and notice in this passage that people were bringing their children to him. Now, it's very obvious. How did that look in Jesus' day? Well, you know, it's very simple. Okay, they found, hey, Jesus is down at the river. Or Jesus is in, teaching in this house. And so they would pack up the family. They'd be like, Let's go hear Jesus. We're going to hear get the kids all psyched up. You know, we're going to go listen to Jesus. This is the guy that healed the paralytic and that gave the, the blind their sight and he's the one that teaches like nobody else teaches and he knows God like nobody else knows God let's go to Jesus so they pack up the kids and they take him as they got near they'd be like there he is kids there he is you see him you know they're picking him up putting him on the shoulders do you see Jesus you know and then they'd fight through the crowd later on and hey Jesus this is Johnny I want oh, can you hold him you know, he's like come here you know will you pray for my son Jesus will you pray for my daughter you know what I mean that's the way it looked in Jesus day now it's different for us isn't it? Same principle, okay? When we, when we read this passage, they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, okay? And when Jesus says, let the little children come to me, all right, we, we get that. We're like, okay, that's not just for them. That's for us too, but it looks different for us, right? Because we, we, we don't have the luxury of having Jesus' physical ministry among us, all right? Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. That's where he is now, okay? But, but, but we can't say, hey, guys, Jesus is at Walmart. You know, let's, let's go see him. I mean, first of all, Jesus would not go to Walmart. I'm convinced of that, you know? I mean, I, well, he might, just, you know, okay, he, he's there because his people are there, you know, but uh, maybe he would, I don't know. Anyway, we can do that, but you know what we can do? We can still bring our kids to Jesus. I think this still applies to us. That, that, that there's a principle here. Let's get our kids to Jesus. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do that in different ways today. We do that, first of all, by praying for our kids, okay? We do that by, by praying for them by name, by, by asking Jesus to know our kids, asking that our kids would come to know Jesus, asking that our kids would meet Jesus, they would see his glory, they would see him for who he is, and praying specifically for our children. I believe that when a woman finds out she's pregnant, a Christian woman, that that family should begin to pray for that child's salvation. They should begin to pray that that child would meet Jesus that day, you know, from then on, every day afterward. My wife's got our kids' pictures hanging up, all our five kids in the living room, and there's, there's many a morning I've been praying there, and I'll just go through their pictures, and I'll just pray for them by name. God, please draw Hannah to yourself. Please open Addie's eyes to see your glory. Please, you know, make Haddon a man of God. Please, you know, help Avery not to love the world, but to love you. God, please bring haven to Jesus. Show her who you are. I, I want her to be your, I want you to be her king. You know, just praying for each of our kids. We can bring our kids to Jesus through the scriptures. Our, our, our team kid uh, motto, if you will, or our team kid theme verse is in Psalm 78. This is kind of the verse that drives our, our, our Wednesday night ministry. And in verse 4 it says, We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He's done. That verse says we want to tell our kids what Jesus has done. We want to tell them how glorious He is. We want to tell our kids the glorious deeds of the Lord because we want our kids to know Jesus. How do we come to know Jesus today? We come to know Him through the Scriptures. 
prayers. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So how, how, are, how are people going to know Jesus? They're going to know him through the scriptures, all right? That's one of the ways. And we, we want our kids to have the testimony that Timothy had. In 2 Timothy three fifteen. it says this, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you know anything about Timothy, you know that his mother and his grandmother, Eunice and uh, I can't remember her name, uh, somebody else. <laughs> anyway, mom and grandma taught him the scriptures. They, 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 taught him, they taught him the things of God through the scriptures. Timothy came to know Christ through the scriptures. So we want to bring him in prayer. We want to bring him in the scriptures. We want to bring our kids to Jesus through them being around other Christians. Okay, This may be one that you hadn't thought of, but, but here's the reality. Here's what we believe theologically is that every born-again believer is indwelt by whom? Right? The Spirit of God, right? And, and every born-again believer is in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And so we want to find people that are like Jesus. We want to find people that live like Jesus, that act like Jesus, that love like Jesus, that, that care like Jesus, that turn the other cheek like Jesus, that comfort like Jesus. And we want our kids to be around those people. I'm very intentional about that with my kids. I am I'm always strategically trying to place my kids around believers in whom they will see Jesus Christ. Man, there's all the time. I, yesterday, I, I, I strategically got my son to spend some time with Andrew. You know, we were up at the widow's breakfast. I had to go to a wedding. My son needed to get home. I said, Drew, you know, can, can hadn't hang out with you till you're ready to go home. And then, and then, then he, and part of that was I needed him to have a ride. But a lot of it was, I just love for him to hang out with Andrew. I love for him to hang out with Daniel. I, I want him to see Christ in, in those guys. I want him to see what a man of God is, you know, in, in flesh and blood. Now, maybe the bigger question here this morning is why should you bring your kids to Jesus? Why should you bring your kids to Jesus? Two big reasons, okay? Two big reasons. Number one, your kids are sinners, okay? Your kids are sinners. Now, some of you, you're shaking your head. Now, you don't have any problem believing that. You're like, amen, brother, okay? But I, I, I just want to say, you know, 5th Street, 945 service, we got a bunch of young mothers, you know, little babies, first babies. And, and, and you know, and maybe they don't theologically, but there's a lot of moms and dads that just don't embrace the fact that their kids are sinners. Um, and that's, that's a terrible mistake. It's a doctrinal mistake. Now, again, maybe they, maybe they don't process that doctrinally, but, but in their mind, they're, they're thinking, my, my baby's pure. You know, my baby's pure as a driven snow, just innocent, you know. Hey, listen, they're born sinners. That's what the Bible tells us. We all come into this world broken it's not like you come into this world perfect and, 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 and completely surrendered to God and yielded to him and loving him. And, you know, one day when you're five, you're watching Barney and all of a sudden you're like, man, I want to kill somebody, you know, I'm mad. You know, I mean, that's not what happens. All right. There's not a switch that flips. No, you're born in this world broken. Okay. So our kids come into the world broken. And the only answer for our brokenness is Jesus. That's it, okay? And we're all that way. David said in Psalm 50, I'm sorry, Psalm 51, Psalm 51, verse 5, Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David was not saying anything bad about his mom. He's simply saying, I came into this world a sinner. I was conceived a sinner. I have the, the sin of Adam, basically, is, is theologically correct, in that, that we all inherited the sin of Adam, you know? 
Why are your kids a sinner? You gave it to them. You know, I mean, that's the truth of the matter is it came from you. You gave them green eyes and curly hair and a knack for artistic ability and an original sin. That's what you gave them. Good job, parents, you know. Uh, I mean, it came through us. It came, it, it's passed down through Adam. And Adam, we all fell, okay? So our kids are sinners and our kids need Jesus. Number two, why should we bring our kids to Jesus? Because Jesus is awesome okay he's awesome he's glorious he's good he's everything that we need i want my kids to have good things i want them i want them to see cool things i want them to experience cool things i want them to have joy i want them to have happiness i want them to have wisdom i want them to be equipped for life and all of those things come through jesus and so as i open up the scriptures and and open up to the gospel of john and i see that jesus is the bread of life you know what i want i want my kids to be satisfied as I open up the scriptures, see, you know what? Jesus is the good shepherd. I want my kids to have a shepherd. I, I want them to have someone that's going to take care of them their whole life. You know why? Because I can't always be that person. Amen? I can't always be that guy. I mean, as much as I may want to, I cannot always give them and be there and, and, and provide for them everything they need. So I want them to have a good shepherd. I want them to have Jesus as their shepherd. I open up my Bible and I see that Jesus is the light of the world. He's the way, truth, and the life. He's abundant life. He's truth. I want my kids to have those things. And so we need to be diligent about bringing our kids to Jesus. Now, not everybody has this passion for kids, okay? That's just true. Uh, Not everybody has this passion for kids. Not everybody even in the church. I think many church people miss this. And it began with the disciples because notice what happens here. Verse 13, and they're bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuke them. Okay, so, so yeah, parents lined up, hey, you know, go see Jesus, Jesus here, talk to Timmy, you know, talk to Sally. And, and the disciples were like, hey, get lost, get back from Jesus. Now, why would they do that? The reason I believe they would do that is because they did not feel that this was a good use of Jesus' time. Jesus is a great teacher, he's a great rabbi, he's the Messiah. Is it, is it really worthy of his time to play with some kids? You know, drool, spit. Boogers? I mean, is, is, that, is that really, you know, worth Jesus' time? And Jesus says yes. Now, now why is there a difference here on what's important? Well, let, let's, let's think about this. First of all, let's, let's define what, 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 what exactly is important and what makes somebody important. You know, I think a lot of people would say what makes you important is your ability to, 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 to do something, right? Abilities, maybe resources, power, influence. Well, kids don't have any of that, okay? So is it important? Well, here's the deal about the kingdom of God. God does not need anything you have. You see, God's not out looking for movers and shakers, okay? Because listen, that's not us. Here's what he says in Psalm 50. I've always liked these verses. Psalm 50, verse um, 10 Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. You know what God says there? Man, if I needed something, I'm not coming to you, okay? Now, he doesn't need anything, first of all, but he says, if I did, I'm not coming to you, okay? That's not why he draws people to himself. You know, you hear people say sometimes, man, that guy's so dynamic. Man, if he'd just come to Christ, think of all he could do. That's really not a doctrinal accurate, doctrinally accurate statement, okay? Because you know what? God, God can do his work through rocks if he wants to. I mean, that, that's what he told people in Matthew 3. You know, when the, when the Jews were saying, well, we're sons of Abraham, God says, God could raise up sons of Abraham from rocks if he wanted to, okay? God, God draws people to himself for his own glory. 
God draws people to himself. God saves people to manifest his goodness. And so, so do children have souls? You better believe it. One of the catechism questions I ask with my kids is, what did God give Adam and Eve besides bodies? And the answer to that question is, souls that will never die. And then the next question, I love it. Do you have a soul? And the answer to that question is, yes, I have a soul that will never die. Driving into your kids. You know what? You've got a soul. There's something in you eternal. And children have that just like adults have that. And so are kids important? Absolutely in the kingdom. They're just as important as adults. And in fact, when you define importance as this... Here's how I define importance. Three ways. Number one, something that if it's not done, will have severe consequences. Okay? If, if we don't reach our kids for Jesus, what's going to happen? Well, we saw this two weeks ago, didn't we? A uh, very difficult passage in Mark 9, verse 47. If your eye caused you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That's what the scripture says about eternity. And if your kids don't have Jesus... I mean, that's a scary reality. If my kids don't know Jesus, they will, they will go to hell. And so that's important, isn't it? There's consequences for them not knowing Jesus. If you define importance as having something that if it's done, will have an enormous benefit. Well, wow, you bring your kids to Christ. If, they, if their eyes are open to see the glory of Jesus, their sins are forgiven. They're indwelt with the Spirit of God. They're, they're saved from all the consequences of sin and life. They have the treasure of Jesus. That, that, that's why Jesus describes the kingdom as, as a treasure. Matthew 13, 44 says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Man, I want my kids to have that treasure. I want them to have Jesus. Jesus. And finally, if you define important as something that must be done quickly because there's a limited opportunity, man, how much more does that apply to children in the gospel? Now, is it true that people can, can receive Christ as, as an 80-year-old, as a 90-year-old, as a 100-year-old? You bet, you bet. But is it also true that there is a unique opportunity in childhood? Isn't that right? Isn't it right that the way that you're bent and shaped and, and, and worked on in childhood has a lasting effect in your life? Absolutely. Proverbs chapter 22, a verse that many of you know, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Okay? What is that verse saying? That verse is saying there's a unique opportunity in childhood to shape souls for the kingdom of God. To plant in their seeds of the gospel and seeds of conviction and seeds of, of, of the glory of Jesus that will have fruit the rest of their lives. And so church, we've got to be the kind of people that seize the opportunity to bring our kids to Jesus. It's worth your attention. In fact, I would say this. What's clear in the scriptures is that Jesus gets ticked off when people hinder children from coming to him. Verse 14, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. That word indignant means angry. It means he was angry and he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them for to such belong the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter in it. You see what Jesus said here? He says, not only are children not at a disadvantage to come to the kingdom, they're actually at an advantage. They actually come to Jesus easier than adults do. Now, why would that be? Well, there's some things about kids that make it easier for them to come into the kingdom than adults. What are those things? Well, things like dependence. What does it mean to live the Christian life? You know what it means? It means dependence. It means relentlessly coming and saying, Jesus, I can't handle this. You can. Jesus, I don't have enough strength. You do. Jesus, I don't have enough wisdom. You do. I'm going to listen to you, Jesus. I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to follow you. I want your help. I'm coming to you. That's what it means to be a Christian. And you know what? Kids don't have near the trouble being dependent as adults do. Let me tell you what. Haven Esther, 
She didn't worry about being dependent on me. Man, whatever she needs. Dad, dad, you know. More pretzels, you know. Sometimes we have to teach that dad's not a waiter, you know, and that you got responsibility. That's the other side of that. But kids don't have any trouble being dependent. Kids don't have trouble trusting. Man, they, they trust. You're, uh, there's a great, I don't know, the illustrations I have for this I've already given you, but I can't think of better ones. <laughs> but but when, I was, when we were at Mesa Verde, many, many of you remember this illustration. I've told it a couple times. I had my Kelty pack on. A- Avery was in my Kelty. She, at this time, she's about four maybe. And we come out of this little cave and we come to go to the next level of the cliff dwelling. You had to go out on this like five foot ladder on the outside of this cliff. And we go out there and I get on the ladder and I'm just getting out there. And, and, and Avery, I hear her behind me. She says, Daddy, we're going to fall. And it's like a hundred foot drop. You know, I'm sure she's like looking over. Ah, you know. And I said, no, honey, we're not. I said, you're hooked onto me and I'm not falling. That's good. That's good for her. I mean, it just amazes me that she took my word. I mean, if I was riding on your back, I'd be like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, you know. How strong are you, you know? How much can you lift? What's this thing rated for? I mean, that's what I'd have been doing. She's like, Dad said I wouldn't fall. Okay. I mean, just amazing. Kids just, they, they take you at your word. Sometimes we even, sometimes we abuse that. I've told you about my bad parenting moment, uh, Avery was complaining. This is Avery again. She was complaining this couple years ago about something about where we lived, what we're, I don't know, like we didn't live by the ocean. We don't live by the mountains. You know, it'd be nice, you know. And, and so I started out going to teach her a lesson on contentment. But some, and this is my, my sinful nature. I get like wrapped up and I just like keep going, you know. And so I fake phone called. I was like, well, you don't like living here? I was like, well, ah, let me see what I can do, you know. So I was like, pretend called, you know. And I was like, yeah, is this the California Baptist Convention? Yeah, this is Pastor Jason Dirks. You know, I pastor here in Woodard, Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, how are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, do you have any churches open there? Really? Well, what, what's it like? You know, how big is it? I, you know what? We'll take it. We'll take it. You know, we'll be out there in two weeks. I'll, I'll tell them, okay, all right, bye-bye, you know. Tears start rolling down her eyes, you know. She's like, we didn't even ask mom, you know. <laughs> I felt bad then, you know. I just kind of meant it to be a joke, you know. But she's just like, and that's, that's a heavy responsibility for a parent. If I tell her it's so, she believes it. You know what would be a lot better in your life? If you just believe. You know? God says, be anxious for nothing, but everything through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. It'd be better if you just said, okay, God, you handle this. I know you will. God, I trust you. Live this way. Okay. Be a giver. All right. Forgive my enemy. All right. You, okay. It's the best thing, huh? You okay. Man, that's the way to enter the kingdom, isn't it? It's like a child. Isn't it interesting that we're called children of God? That he's all, our father? We're not business associates. Have you ever noticed that? You know, come into me and be a business associate. You know, no. You come as a child. He's your father. My friends, children are a high priority in the kingdom of God. Now, be careful here. What we're not saying, we're not saying that we, we, are, we, we revolve around kids. No, that's different. We're not saying we give kids whatever they want. We're not saying we spoil kids. We're not saying we have a child-centered house. Okay, those things are actually bad for a kid. 
That teaches a kid that everything's about me. No, no, no. We want to teach a kid everything's about Jesus. Okay? And, and I was thinking about this yesterday. I had kind of two experiences that I thought were interesting in, in the way that I began to process them. I, I, want, I want to be very intentional about saying, I want to bring my kids to Jesus. I want, I want them to be a priority in my life. But, but I, I don't want to do that by, by, by just being childlike. Or, I'm sorry, being all about children. I want to do that by bringing children into the kingdom. Let me, let me, let me show you a difference. Okay, so yesterday, uh, I got widow's breakfast in the morning. And we got a wedding, and then I got my sermon, so I'm really busy. Late afternoon, I was like, I don't, I, I'm just going to take a little bit of time here, spend with the kids. So I go outside. They were playing. We played a little football. Um, Avery got her cat herd out in the yard, the kittens, and we, I don't want any questions. I don't want you to ask about it. Uh, played with them a little bit, and then I got back to work, okay? Um, that was a way in which I spent some time with the kids, okay? You know what's even better than that? That's good. That's good. I'm going to keep doing that. Do, that's awesome. You know what's better than that? What's better than that is to bring the kids into what I'm doing. You see, there's been a fundamental cultural shift. I don't know if you've realized this in the last hundred years. Even when I grew up, and I grew up in a farm, so I probably grew up like an older culture than the 70s, really. But I spent tons of time with my grandpa and my dad. Tons. But you know what? It wasn't playing ball. <laughs> you know, and it, wasn't, it wasn't at a school program. And it was out with the cattle, and it was on a combine, and it was in a truck, and it was in a pickup. You know, I mean, it was, I, I was with them. I, I joined them in what they were doing. And so I started thinking about yesterday. I thought, okay, I went out and played football, pet the cat herd. That was good. But you know what's even better? It was in the morning, I had the opportunity to go and do some work for Jesus. We had the opportunity to go minister to the, some of the sweetest ladies in our church, our widows. And so you know what I got to do? I got to bring my son. So he got to come with me. And he got to do what I was doing. You know, he, he, got to, he got umbrella duty, you know. He and Daniel went out and, you know, opened the car door for the ladies. And they'd come out and on their arm and brought them in, you know. And escorted and filled up their drinks. And, and Now, both those are time with my son, right? But I, how much better when, when the way that we spend time with our kids is, I want to bring you into the work for the Lord. I'm doing things for Jesus. I'm ministering. I'm doing this or that or whatever. Come join me in that. So we're all about children, but we're all about them in a particular way. Okay. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to be disciplined. No, I'm not. All right. Um, one, one, I'll just, I'll condense it. Okay. I just, I ran out of time in the other services for what I really like to do here. And um, notice Jesus says, don't, don't hinder. When Jesus when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. We've got to be really careful that we don't, we don't get in the way of bringing kids to Jesus. Now, there's lots of ways that that could happen. Remember, remember two weeks ago when we looked at the, the Sermon on Hell? Uh, verse 42 says, whoever caused one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, be better for him for great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. So, it, I mean, it's very possible to hinder them through your example, through hypocrisy, through your teaching, false teaching. Okay, but what, I'm just going to spotlight one. It's possible to hinder your kids by just not being intentional about helping them. Okay, you see what I'm saying? See, there's a lot of parents. I've heard them. I've heard, I've heard parents say this. Hey, if he if he wants if he wants to go to church, if he wants to 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 do that Christianity thing, I'm great with that. I, that doesn't bother me any. I, I'm completely for it. But you see the applied there. But I'm not helping. 
Well, see, that, that's actually a hindrance. You say, well, how's that a hindrance? Okay, let's say uh, my five-year-old Haven. Let's say she needs to go to the doctor. What if I say, honey, here's your coat. Here's a 20. I'm all for you going to the doctor. I open the door, head down Cheyenne, go, to, go till it, it ends, take one block over to Santa Fe, follow that to, you, to, you, to that ends, take one block over to Maine, all the way to Dr. Kirkendall's, honey. Simple as pie. I'll see you later. I'm all for you going. Well, you'd say, you're, you're keeping your kid from going to the doctor. Said, I'm not. Open the door. Give her a 20. She got to come up with the rest of the copay. No. <laughs> I'm hindering her. Because it's my responsibility to take her, isn't it? Parents, grandparents in this service, grandparents, yeah, you, got my eye on you. It's your responsibility. Take them to Jesus. Bring them. Bring them. They were bringing their kids to Jesus. All right, how do we do that? Here's where I want to get to. Real practical. Practical stuff. Number one, articulate the gospel often to your children. Okay? The way I like to do that, real simply, is in three, three big categories. Sin, cross, faith, and repentance. Okay? I go through that with my kids a lot. Sin, cross, faith, and repentance. Everybody's a sinner. We're all broken. Plenty of evidence of that, especially in a family. Cross, Jesus loved us and he paid the penalty for our sin. He died on the cross for you. Faith and repentance. The only way you can get connected to Jesus is by repentance. That means you turn away. You don't want to sin anymore and you put your faith in Jesus. Articulate the gospel. And then, folks, listen. Everything in life, try to drop back to the gospel. Okay? So let's say your kid lies. They, you get a call from the school. Jimmy lied about his homework. Okay? So Jimmy comes home. What are you going to do? Well, you could handle it like this. So, you're a liar, huh? Well, how do you think that's going to get you in life? Well, you know what? Tell you what, nobody's ever going to trust you. You think people are going to want to hire a liar? You know? That's not going to work very well for your life. Now, now, now you're going to be branded that. What do you think people think of, of your mom and I when you lie like that? All right. You could do that. Very ineffective. Or you could say something like this. This is just an example off the top of my head. You could just say something like, you know what, son? You lied. And lying is a sin, isn't it? We know that. It's breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And, and not only did you lie to your teacher, but you also lied to God. And, and you, you, that's the important thing. You broke your relationship with God, and that's a serious thing. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the devil is a liar and a father of lies. And the Bible says in Revelation that that the liars will be in the lake of fire. Now, I'm not trying to scare you or bully you, but I'm just saying lying is a serious thing. It breaks your relationship with God and it breaks your relationship with others. And, and, and you know, son, I'm a liar too. Uh, my heart is broken just like yours is broken. And we both need Jesus. So you know what? Here's what we're going to do. You're going to have some consequences for this. Here's the consequences. This is going to be your punishment. But what your dad's going to do right now, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for your heart and we're going to pray for my heart. We're going to ask Jesus to change you and to make you new so that he gives you a new heart. What would you just do? You took a circumstance and what would you do? You connected it to the gospel, right? How many circumstances does that work with? Millions, right? Almost everything you can bring it back to the gospel, can't you? Articulate the gospel. Share the gospel. Second of all, pray for and look for the work of the Holy Spirit, Okay? You know what we don't want to do at Lincoln Avenue? We don't want to be about manipulating kids. We want to be about the Holy Spirit changing hearts, okay? 
Could we bring all the kids in here and on Wednesday night and could we say, all right, guys, you know, here's a fire, you know, we got matches. <laughs> Who wants to feel this, you know? Okay, do you want to go to hell? No, no. Who wants to follow Jesus and be saved? Raise your hand, you know. All right, line up here. Pastor Chris is going to baptize you, you know. Wow, we got a, we made record books today, you know. Hey, what? Why don't we not do that? And why don't we trust the Holy Spirit to actually change hearts, okay? Now, now can we work with the Holy Spirit? You bet, okay? We, 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 we can work with the Holy Spirit to bring a knowledge of sin and a knowledge of Jesus when we can sow the gospel. Parents, we discipline our kids. Isn't it interesting in the book of Proverbs especially that discipline is in direct connection with a child's soul in the book of Proverbs? Let, let me read you some verses. Proverbs twenty three thirteen. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Proverbs nineteen eighteen. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. I mean, there, there's an eternal aspect to teaching your kids, hey, here's the boundary. When you cross it, there's consequences for sin. Just like there's consequences for everything in life, right? I mean, we can work with the Holy Spirit, but we need to look for the Holy Spirit's work. We need to look for not only a head knowledge, but also a heart knowledge. Listen, guys, salvation is about more than teaching kids the right answer, right? No joke. When Hannah, my oldest, was three years old, we were driving to a church in Missouri. My, my second daughter, Addie, was about nine months old or so, six months old. And in the back seat, unsolicited by her mother and I, Hannah gave the gospel to Addie. And she did a pretty good job for a three-year-old. She said, Addie, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. Jesus died for your sins. Do you want to pray? You know, something like that, you know. And we're like, wow. You know, and Addie's over there eating her binky or whatever. You know, she doesn't know, you know, what's going on. But listen, was Hannah saved? No. She wasn't. Not for many years later. She can memorize well. And she'd heard the gospel over and over. And one of the biggest mistakes we can make as parents is, is just looking at, can they answer the right questions? That, that's, not, that's not it. I mean, we want them to know the gospel, but listen, we want them to have a heart for Jesus. And so one of the ways that we, we do that is by asking lots of probing questions. Yes and no questions are not helpful with children. Okay? They aren't. Do more than that. Don't sit your child down and say, do you believe you're a sinner? Yeah. You know, do you want Jesus? Yeah. You know, do you want to put your trust in him? No, you don't. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, that, that, that doesn't help. Okay. Ask them open ended questions. Why? So they, they begin to grapple with the truth on their own. And so that you can see what's going on in their heart. You can see where they're at. Ask them questions like this. What's sin? Do you sin? Who's Jesus? What does your sin do? What does it do to you? What's it do to you and God? How can we come into God's family? How can Jesus help us with our sin? Why did Jesus die on the cross? Can you do enough good things to make up for your bad things? Those are questions that really get to, where's this kid at? What's going on? Take time for a multitude of conversations. Let me, let me read you Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Four different circumstances. What's that saying? Talk to your kids all the time. Talk to them in every situation about the gospel. Look for and emphasize personal trust and reliance upon Jesus. Um, a kid has to not just believe things about Jesus. They have to, have to actually trust Jesus. My, my standard illustration for this with kids is the elevator bicycle. 
Okay? I always talk to them about the grain elevator, how tall it is, how it's just flat on top. If you've ever been on top of a grain elevator. And, and, and how I, I say, what if we were up there, me and you, and I was riding my bicycle up there? That's pretty dangerous, isn't it? What if I was riding right on the edge? And I was riding around that thing, riding, 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 riding. And then I stopped and I got my wife. She got on my shoulders. <laughs> we're riding around it again. Around, 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 right on the edge. Just a half an inch. We're drop off and I ride around, around, around. An hour. And then I said, I stop and I look at you and I said, do you believe that I can ride my bicycle with someone on my back? And you said, yeah. Would that be faith? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, no, that's not faith. That's just believing something about somebody. What if I said... Get on my back. Let's go for a ride. That, my friends, is faith. Isn't it? You're putting your life in somebody's hands. And so you need to look for in your kids. Are they actually putting their life in Jesus' hands? That's a sign that redemption is happening. Okay? Are they trusting him? Look for a relentlessness. Okay? Look for a relentlessness. Have you noticed that in, in the gospel of Mark, as we've been going through here, think about, think about the pictures of faith. The, the four guys who bring their friend to Jesus. Remember that? They go to the front door, can't get in. Go to the window, can't get in. Go to the back door, can't get in. Go to the roof, tear off the roof, lower their friend down. Jesus looks at it and says, he saw their faith. They're relentless. You know what I look for in a kid? I look for a kid that he will not stop badgering his mom and dad about coming to Jesus. You know, he talks about it all the time. You know, Saturday morning, mom wants to sleep in. He's sitting there, you know, she wakes up, bing, he's right there. Can we do my discipleship book? Okay, that's a good sign. That's a good sign that a kid is hungry for Christ. Okay, encourage personal steps of obedience and testimony on their own. James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. Okay, kids need to be able to respond. They need to have some means of responding, some means of saying, I really want to trust Jesus. I really want to make a response here. Okay, so let let them do that. Encourage them. Don't do it for them, though. You know, I've I've had I've had parents before that, you know, they're dragging their kid down the aisle. You know, he's got the both brakes on, you know, they get him up to the front and tell him what you told me. You know, and the kid's like, I don't know. I don't know nothing. You know, no, you do. Tell him, you know, tell him you want to be baptized, right? No, you know, yes, you do. Okay, the mom has faith. We don't know about the kid, you know, I mean, let let them. Be patient, parents. Be patient. Sow seeds of the gospel. This one's important. Rather than emphasizing that salvation is done at baptism, emphasize that their Christian life is beginning. Okay, that's crucial with kids. Crucial with everybody. Here's what I always told my kids. Daddy cannot tell you you're saved. Okay? Daddy's the pastor of the church, but you don't look to me. You look to Jesus and you look to your life. Assurance is not based on did you have an experience? Did you get back? Assurance is based on, is there fruit in your life? Are you a changed person? I always tell my kids, look for fruit. I remember how sweet it was when Addie came home just about a month after she got saved. She came home so excited. She says, Dad, I saw fruit. I saw fruit today. You know, something had happened at school and she had, you know, turned the other cheek and prayed for the kid. And, you know, what I mean, but she, she was in her own way. She was seeing her life change for Jesus. All right, some of you are saying, man, I don't even know how to start this process. Um, there's lots of ways to start this. What I would do is just pay attention to your kids, okay? Articulate the gospel, saturate them with scripture, pray for them, and then just pay attention to them. You, you know how it will often begin? Here's, here's two great opportunities, communion and baptism, okay? What happens with little bitty kids when they first see communion? Almost every time, what, what happens? They're interested, right? 
Because everything else that's just happened is dead boring. And all of a sudden, there's snacks going around, right? And they're like, hey, finally, something I'm interested in, you know? And so they're always like, eh, you know, and you, here's what you need to do, parents. No, 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 you, no, it's not for you. Why isn't it for me? Great opportunity, isn't it? You know why it's not for you, honey? Because you're not a Christian yet. A lot of parents struggle to say those words. We need to say them. Well, you, you've not placed your faith in Jesus yet. We're praying for you and you're on that road. And man, I know God's doing good things in you. We're going to talk about it too. We're going to talk about the gospel. But what this is for, honey, is this is the body and blood of Jesus. And this is what believers do. We're, it's symbolically, we're taking Jesus into ourselves. Kids are interested in that. I wrote in my journal, 9-21-2010. Haven would have been... Um, almost three, one month is short of being three. And we had just had communion that Sunday. This was during the week. And she, she's in the back seat and she says to me, dad, when I get bigger, remember, she's just two dad. When I get bigger, I'm going to drink the good medicine and die on the cross with Jesus and mommy. You know, (laughs) isn't that great? Uh, she didn't get it yet, but she, she's getting it. You know, I mean, she knows that's good stuff. And it's about dying on the cross. Okay. Baptism. Man, it's interesting to kids. Why'd they do that? And can I go swimming as well, you know? I mean, that's that's the most interesting thing in a church to a kid. They they all, I want to go swimming. I got a confession to make. I let my kids swim in it one time. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you're going to fire me. But they asked all the time, and it was like July one, one time. It's been a long time ago. It was like July, and everybody was gone, and we were locking up the church. And they're like, can we get in there? Can we? I was like, get in. You know, and it was like, we don't have other clothes. I'm like, it's July. We'll put them outside. They're fine. You know, they're dry. You know, they swam around. We were draining it, so they swam around. And anyway, but it's interesting to them, isn't it? What a great opportunity to say, you know what happened there? That person came to know Jesus, and the old them is dead, and the new them. It's raised up. And that's a picture of Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection. And when, whenever you put your faith in Christ, that's, that's what's happening inside a person. The old them is dying. The new them is being raised up. Man, I'll tell you what. If you just pay attention, there's, there's a tons of opportunity. Talk to your kids about spiritual things. Lincoln Avenue, we want to be the kind of church that does not hinder kids from coming to Jesus, but rather... The kind of church that brings them to Jesus. We got to be that church. We got to be that church in every way. And we got to be the kind of people that come to Jesus like a child. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for the word. God, we, uh, we want to be relentless in, in coming to you. Coming to you in dependence. Coming to you in humility. Coming to you in childlike faith. And Lord, we want to bring our kids to you. God, Please save them. Please save them and please bring fruit in their lives. Please use them in great ways. God, please do a good work in our kids. Father, we ask it in your name. We ask for your help. Amen.